The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Left bomb tries to jam it out. Held in by DeArnay with Cassian all over. Kept alive by McDonough. Shea in front. Tiptoe by Rick Nash. 3-2 Rangers. Pair of power play goals here in the back half of the second period have turned a 2-1 Oiler lead into a 3-2 deficit. Well, power play goals against the Edmonton Oilers continue to be a huge score story this season. Rick Nash getting that one late in the second period turns out to be the game winner. Two power play goals for the Rangers, and they take it 4-2. Edmonton's penalty killing last in the NHL and sinking percentage-wise today down to 71.1%. Yessi Puliyarvi, first game of the season, had a goal for Edmonton. Connor McDavid also scored. Uh, an afternoon where the Oilers played pretty good, 5-on-5, five five, but couldn't kill penalties and then couldn't break through a tight Rangers defense in the third period. Thanks for joining us. It's 2.02 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Watching this game, Rob, you're feeling good in the second period. A couple of penalties taken in succession. All of a sudden, Rangers take control. Well, you, you said it. You are feeling good. We're sitting here. The others are playing well. It's a chance to go three in a row on this road trip. Uh, they got control of the game. Five on five, they're doing great things with the puck, doing the right things, the smart things. Unfor- unfortunate penalty to Malone. He tries to just clear the zone, and it goes a long way down the ice and over the boards. Outcome, your penalty killing unit. And the thing that we talked about, that you goes, you know what scares you, Rob? You talked about it. I go, yeah, they're getting cross-ice passes through their box, and the penalty kill it happens again, and they score a goal. Now, all right, 2-2. Two, two. few things are all right. Going into the third, you can have a tie, a chance to win with one shot, and then you take a silly penalty. Maroon, you just can't do that. You're in the offensive zone. There's nowhere near your own goal. There's not a chance of a breakout going the other way. And you throw an elbow to the face of McDonough right in front of the referee. And again, here comes your penalty kill. And this time you get guys cheating. They're hoping a puck bounces so they can get an odd man rush going shorthanded. Instead, they're caught out of position. And again, two cross-size passes, and it's behind Talbot. So in a span of three, four minutes, the others go from feeling good about themselves to trailing a very hot team going into the third period. So these cross-size passes have been an issue for the Oilers' PK all season long. What is it that they keep allowing them? Well, it, it, one, it might be structure. It might be the way that they're set up defensively to kill. Two, they have their sticks in the wrong position. They've got to be uh, across. They got to be back. So wherever the, the player you think is going to pass, you have to have your stick in that area. You have to have your bodies back there. And in the last one, it was just being in the right position uh, defensively. You know, Cassian and Latestu both get caught up above uh, the imaginary ring at line, and it's a three-on-two down low. And you got three skilled players for the Rangers going against the two defenders for, for the Oilers on the PK, and they have no chance. So the Oilers are just part structurally, part probably positionally, just not being where they're supposed to be, and they are giving up easy access goals, ones that Cam Talbot has absolutely no chance on. So 4-2, the Rangers take it. The Oilers' two-game winning streak ends. They're 6-9-1 and one on the season. They're 2-1 and one with a game to go on this four-game road trip, and against the East, that continues to be lopsided against the Oilers' 3-7-1. 
Edmonton against Eastern Conference teams this season. We're going to bring you post-game reaction from MSG. You can also give us a buzz, 780-496-0063, and we'll bring Eugene on the open line. Hi, Eugene. Hi, Eugene. How's it going? Good. My question today is, I guess, when when do you think McClellan decides to switch things up? I mean, the offense has been it's been so so on the five on five, but the, the Connor and Leon line, Leon looked like he was skating in cement tonight. And then on the power play, that first unit looked looked didn't look as good as the second one. And I just think maybe Connor and Leon maybe need some time away from each other. I just want to know what you guys thought about that. I think with Puliyarvi being up here right now, you're not going to see any changes. I think I, I I don't think the first line had a very good game today at all. Uh, but they're not going to chase change it based on what they did in one game or one or two games. Puliyarvi looked very good with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Whoever's played with Nugent Hopkins has been good this year. Therefore, they're going to they feel now that they've got two lines that they can compete with, and they'll go with that. And so I don't see there be any changes before tomorrow's game. Do you, do you see like maybe moving Latestu for maybe even Puliyarvi? He's got that big heavy shot on the right side. Give something to try to see if they can spark the power play a little bit more. Oh, I oh, putting Puliyarvi on the power play. I, I think eventually, yes, yeah. that's what you're going to do. I, I 100%. Puliyarvi, I, I love Latestu and what he has done, but his limitations, he has limitations compared to what Puliyarvi has. Puliyarvi is a big man who's, who was brought in as and drafted because of his offensive prowess. He eventually will be on your first power play unit. It's just a matter of when, and I don't think you want to throw him there too quickly. I think you, you wait and see, but yeah, he eventually will supplant Latesto on the first power play unit. You're right. Thanks, Eugene. Good stuff. Thank you. How are we going? 780-496-0063. Puglia Yarvi, I think his performance would be rated as a positive today. He did score, played 15 and a half minutes, gets five shots on goal, took six other shot attempts that were either blocked or missed the net. So, And he looked, he looked more confident. He looked more assertive looked more like he knew where the puck should go or where he should go because he also had a couple nice rushes down the right side where he tried to make things happen. Actually hit the post on one. Yeah, that was a great one too. He walked around the defender that he was going down on. He's a big man that possesses speed uh, and a very quick shot. And we saw that at times tonight. And this was supposed to be the line to start the season. This is what everyone expected. This is what the coaching staff wanted. But Puliyarvi did not have a good training camp did not have a good preseason and and didn't earn that spot well now he's got another opportunity through injuries and you and I have talked many times after games when a guy like Slepeshev or a guy like Kajula gets hurt uh, it opens up an opportunity for someone else to come in and grab it and right now Puliyarvi has got that opportunity and today was a, a fantastic start for him but to play in the National Hockey League there's a number of players in the minors that can come up and have a good game or can have a good two games the guys that stay in the National Hockey League are guys that can do it on a consistent basis, not 20 or 30% of the time, 80 to 90% of the time. So that'll be what they'll be watching with Puliyarvi. But to, to have consistency, you got to start with game one, and he was excellent today in, in his first game of the season here. However, not enough. Oilers lose 4-2 to the Rangers. Two goals, $50 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. $25 for every goal throughout the season. We're now up to an even 1000 You can follow the total on 630ched.com slash Oilers. Well, it's Saturday afternoon, which means the first bottle of wine hasn't quite been cracked open yet. Well, maybe well, I'm wrong. In, in my JP neighborhood, in my neighborhood, it's certainly been open. It's JP on the line. Hi, JP. Oh, hello, you guys. How are you? Good. 
Not the wine. Not only wine. I'm on the whiskey right now, but I'll <laughs> probably have a bottle in a bit. But uh, it's afternoon. That's why I'll be on the whiskey. But let's get down the brass tacks. Normally, I start my Christmas season around December or so for the Christmas movie. Well, today I felt like I watched uh, Home Alone 2. Lost in New York, that's a tough bomb. Uh, Macaulay Culkin starring this guy. <laughs> because I have, I've never seen a guy so lost in me entire life play a game. This guy was just... <laughs> I don't know what to say. I am lost. I phone in this uh, show. I think, oh, I have something to say. But I have nothing to say. I mean, tough bomb walking around like Macaulay Culkin in New York. This makes me want to build. I can't wait for tomorrow, though. The rebound game to watch Billy Harvey. This guy was in Kabla today, in my mind. Absolutely stellar out there. I like the passion this guy had. The passion, the you could tell he when he got that goal, I saw a little extra step, a little extra step to his game. I was impressed. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. I want to get back. I was just pouring a nice whiskey. You guys have a nice afternoon. God bless everyone. Right on. Thanks, JP. We appreciate you calling. First of all, entertaining call. Second of all, he's he's he's, he's making good points. I mean, absolutely good for Pugliarve. Mm-hmm. Scored, had energy, so you hope he can build on that. And Rob, I mean, specifically about Clefbaum, you were talking about defending the the two on one, and he wound up in a position. We're talking about the goal in the first period, where he he put himself in a position where it was almost a two on zero. Well, he did, and he did it a couple times. There were a couple two on ones against him, and the first one that was a goal. The the def- the goalie trusts the the defenseman to take the pass away, so you know what I'm going to take the guy that's coming in to shoot. You take the pass and we'll all be good. And the first one comes down. Talbot comes way out. He's playing the shooter, and Clefbaum slides off to allow him to play the shooter. But he doesn't take. I believe it was Nash. He doesn't take Nash away. Like the puck goes right across, right in front of Clefbaum. Nash got a wide open net. He's never going to miss that. He's just not. Later in the third period, the same thing happened. Same player comes down, and again, Clefbaum, he backs in, doesn't take the pass across. Now, fortunately, I think it was Zuccarelli, it misses the, a wide-open net. But again, the goaltender has to trust the defenseman that he's not going to let that pass go. There was a shift in the third. That was the first 2-1, and right away they got another 2-1. It was Griba. Griba takes the pass away. Mm-hmm. The puck goes under him, kind of fuddles and goes towards Talbot, has to make a save, but it was a broken play because Tal- Griba didn't allow easy access. He didn't allow the pass to go across. That's where you have to play it. But on two 2-1s, both times Clefbaum allowed more or less a 2-0 on because he allowed the guy to come in. Talbot has to respect that, and then when the pass goes back door, Absolutely no chance for Talbot. You know, it's interesting, Rob, because a lot, I know a lot of times when a defenseman will, will dive or, or lay down defending a cross-crease cross, cross crease pass. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes people don't like that watching the game. But a Ranger did that. Remember, the mm-hmm. Oilers got that little mini two-on-one. The puck squirted out of the corner perfectly to Jokinen. He looks across for Pakarinen, and the Ranger defenseman just lay down. And Jokinen tried to lob it over, and it's in the air, and Pakarinen misses it. So, I mean, sometimes that actually isn't a bad play. Oh, I I think it's a great play. And I know that a lot of times you'll see, you know, the analysts on TV say, yep, you can't lay down there. The the defenseman can't lay down. I I can't disagree more. If I'm on a two-on-one, and that guy lays down and cuts off the pass, especially when they lay, lay down and they start sliding towards you, there's nothing you can do because now you you're forced you can't pass so now you're forced to shoot and you're on a bad angle and he, you got to get it up over top of his body the goalie knows you're shooting i think it's a great play you've got to time it properly but it's a great play to lie down and we saw it work successfully for the rangers tonight rangers win it 4-2 over the oilers let's go back to msg here's head coach todd mcclellan the end of the night um 
penalty kill again. We had some clearing opportunities. We didn't get the puck out, and they beat us back to the important ice. It's in our net. And, uh, you know, other than that, I thought it was a fairly evenly played game. We did get one on the power play, which was uh, was nice to see, but uh, still not enough to win. You had the game under control, it looked like, till you took two penalties, and neither one was a great penalty. No, obviously delay a game, you don't want that, um, especially with that much ice uh, available to you. And uh, then one in the offensive zone, so that's not good, but we should be able to get one of those two penalty kills, in my opinion, and uh, that's probably the difference. They were able to get, uh, you know, two quick ones on the power play, it sets you back, and then they do such a good job in the neutral zone of clogging things up, it's hard to uh, to come from behind against them. And the one, the, the goal that tied it went right through a couple of people to uh, Buchevich, the tie, to, to go from Shattenkirk. Yeah, and both goals were similar. They went through the seams, and uh, we were aggressive. We, uh, in both cases, we had the puck on our tape, and we didn't get the clears. And um, guys are anticipating the puck going out, and you're out of position, and you can't close those seams off quick enough. So, it's um, you know, it's an area that we have to be faster in, and we have to be better. Uh, better on the clear attempts. Was this game, the other game you won, was it that much different a game apart from No, the it was uh, very similar in, in many respects to the games that we played on the road all season. Um, close, um, special teams may be the difference. Um, you know, both uh, or all of them have been very competitive games. I thought evenly played. There hasn't been a, an advantage to uh, either ourselves or, or our opponents. And uh, tonight we're on the short end. Can you talk about Jesse's play? Yeah, I thought he was uh, quite good. I thought he had a lot of pep in his stride. Um, he looked quicker to me uh, shooting the puck. He, uh, some of the things we asked him to do down there showed up in the game today. So. Um, uh, you know, on a on an individual side of it, we're happy for him. He had a good game and a good night. He should leave the rink confident and uh, continue to play that way. How did you think Oscar played? How did I think Oscar played? Um, I thought Oscar had some good moments and some tough moments. Two-on-one in the first period. Yeah, we don't want the puck coming, uh, you know, we'll let the goaltender take the shot, and it came through. It actually happened in the third again. Good. All right, so yeah, Todd McClellan referring to what Rob was talking about earlier on Clefbaum defending the two-on-ones. A good game for Prula Yarvi. He's our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. The three stars selected uh, at MSG. Bob didn't have these, so he made up his own, and he did a pretty good job. <laughs> but the ones announced in the arena were Nash, Lundquist, and McDavid in that order. So we'll give Prula Yarvi the fourth star, gets his first goal of the season in his first game in the NHL this season. He was just called up from Bakersfield with Anton Slepeshev going on IR. Rob, I mean, the Oilers lost a one-goal game at Vancouver. They had those three consecutive 2-1 games on a road trip. They win a couple games in overtime on this one, and uh, then, I mean, an empty net goal right at, with a second left. I guess officially it was 1958, so two seconds left uh, to give the Rangers a two-goal win in this one. But you actually made a point while we were watching this game, comparing it to uh, the game against the New York Islanders in terms of how the Oilers were playing. Well, I said with about eight minutes to go that just not knowing what the outcome is, if the Oilers lose this game, they actually played better tonight than they did against the Islanders when they won. And the league right now is so close, teams top to bottom, that every game, every team is in every game. There's very few blowouts. And in the, this, the last three, four games, the Oilers in every game could have won and in every game could have lost. 
and it all comes to do down to execution. And tonight the Rangers were a little bit better at executing, and the Rangers got some better bounces. And tonight, I, I mean, I thought the Oilers played well, and they could have had a chance to win. Now their stars weren't their best tonight, and that's not going to happen very often. But no, I, there. It's sometimes the game is unfair, and, and I'm sure the Islanders feel the other night that they deserve to win a hockey game, and, and they didn't. I think tonight the Oilers. They probably shot themselves in the foot with a couple of bad penalties, but this was a game that they certainly could have won because they certainly played well enough to. Final shots on goal, 34-29 for the Rangers. New York 2 for 3 on the power play. Edmonton 1 for 2. More time for your phone calls, 780-496-0063. We're also looking for a contestant to finish the play. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Hayes will carry it back to centre. He's got a two-on-one with Zuccarello. Centred Zuccarello, backhands. What a save by Talbot with the left pad somehow denying what seemed to be a certain death knell for the Oilers. Instead, it remains 3-2 with two and a half to play. Cam Talbot with 30 saves this afternoon. The Rangers beat him three times. They also get an empty netter to knock off the Oilers 4-2. That was Talbot's save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Of course, Cam Talbot started his NHL career with the Rangers. Let's go back and hear from him. Uh, Went perfect, and tonight it cost us the game. That's pretty much the difference in the game tonight as opposed to the last two. I'm sorry, just took the mic. Just your overall thoughts on how it all shook down tonight. I know the power plays were the difference, but overall, how do you feel you guys played? I thought we played a pretty hard game. I was just saying it came down to, to special teams tonight. We lost that battle and it cost us two points. So, uh, penalty kill had been doing pretty well on the road here. Hopefully, we can get back to that tomorrow. All right, and the Oilers are back at it tomorrow. Washington Capitals, the opponent, 3.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 5. That was Talbot, who made some good saves tonight. Really pretty much open nets for the three Rangers goals that they did score on him. Yeah, no, Talbot was good. But, but again, the goalie can only do so much. And at some point, he has to trust his defensemen or defenders to to take away the, the backdoor plays. And the Oilers didn't do a good enough job that tonight. As he was taking the shooter, they were going backdoor with wide-open players and wide-open nets. 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us. Our adjustment of the game is for Alberta's chiropractors. The Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. I mean, do you see any do you, do you see any line or lineup changes coming tomorrow, Rob? Uh, I don't. I mean, the only two players that can go into the line lineup from the press box be um, Jujar, who's not going in, and Ovitu, who's not going in, because I, I think the third pairing was fine for the Oilers tonight, and I thought the third and fourth lines for the Oilers played played fine tonight. I, I see the first line staying the same, and Puliyarvi obviously is not moving off an RNH's line, so I see no di- difference in any of those positions, and I personally, I would go back with Talbot, but I guess that'll be a decision based on how he feels and how the coaching staff and the goaltending coaches decide is what's best for the team and what's best for Talbot. But I would expect the exact same lineup, including Talbot, tomorrow in Washington. Yeah, I would I would think they put Talbot back in. I mean, it's, uh, it is it it is back-to-back games, but you got a short trip to Washington and then a game in the evening tomorrow. So 
Yeah, I mean, when is Bressois going to play? <laughs> I don't know. Is Talbot going to wind up playing as much as last year? Possibly. Probably. I mean, we've seen Bressois twice. He was excellent in relief against the Vancouver Canucks. Gave the Oilers a chance to maybe get something out of that game where they didn't play great. And then uh, his start against Carolina wasn't very good. So... Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes for Brassois down the road here. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. No Japanese Village goal light this afternoon. Three locations in Edmonton: downtown, south side, and north side. When the Oilers score five or more in a game, you can go to the Oilers page on six thirty ched dot com and print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. So uh, you know the Eastern Conference has been very good against the Oilers with a record of three seven and one. Uh, I mean, the Oilers did play the Devils twice, who, you know, have, they were nine and two the first time the Oilers faced them, and then and then nine and four when they played them the second night, four and one when they played them the second time. They've already played Pittsburgh a couple times. You see the Rangers this afternoon, who have now won six in a row. So they played a lot of teams out of that good uh, good Metro division. Another one against the Capitals coming up, and then they'll have some. Uh, well, still some mainly. Eastern teams the rest of the month, but you do have Vegas and St. Louis, Dallas and St. Louis uh, as four coming up. Then you go out east again. Do you, do you? I mean, last year the East was better. Rob, the Metro Division was excellent. I mean, Pittsburgh and Columbus played in the first round, and they were second overall and fourth overall. Do you still do you still see that division in the East in general as being a little stronger than the West? I do, but we're saying that because we haven't seen the West, so it's kind of hard to judge on what what's out west because we haven't seen some of their best teams, such as the the LA Kings or the St. Louis Blues. Uh, we haven't had an opportunity to see them play yet. So uh, the games out east, it, it's a different type of style they play. It's it's more skilled, it's more speed. Uh, the West normally is is bigger, more physical. Um, you want to have a good record against the East, but if there's, uh, if you had your druthers, you prefer your Western Conference games to be the ones where you have more success simply because they're more important games or four-point games every time you play someone in your division or someone in your conference. So uh, the Oilers have a chance to have a, a, a great road trip going three-on-one if they beat the Washington Capitals. It won't be easy, but I think the way they're playing on the road right now, they give themselves a chance to win each and every hockey game. The one thing they got to clean up is their penalty killing. And it's not going to get any easier against Ovechkin and Knutsov and Backstrom and the players that the Washington Capitals can throw out at you. If their penalty killing plays well, the Oilers should should have a good chance to win games. If their penalty killing is like it was tonight, well, you're going to find yourself on the wrong end. Rangers take it 4-2 this afternoon. Got a text here to 6:30-6:30 from Davis who says, uh, "Hey Rob, what do you think Nugent Hopkins is doing differently this year that has allowed him to contribute more?" Uh, I think, one, he's winning face-offs. So the Oilers, when he's on the ice, are starting with the puck instead of chasing. I think, two, he, he looks quicker. Uh, he, he looks like he's got a second and third gear. So that uh, whenever McDavid skates, a player thinks he's away from him, and then McDavid just swoops in, lifts the stick, and takes the puck. We're seeing that with R&H a lot, too. He's keeping plays alive in the offensive zone. And three, I, I, I don't know if it's a confidence he has about him, but he's making a lot of real subtle little plays 
that if you watch it quickly, yeah, you don't know. So then you watch it in replay, like, oh, that was a nice little pass. The Pooley-Arvey one, it's a sweet little pass he gave to Pooley-Arvey. Uh, the play, it was last game, he tried it again tonight, where he coming down one-on-two, and he kind of flips the puck so it bounces in front of the goaltender. Then he slips between the defenseman and tries to pounce on a rebound, things like that. So I think he's playing with confidence, and he is certainly playing excellent hockey right now. And I think over this road trip, he has been, he's been the Oilers' best forward through the first three games of this road trip. Takes tons of face-offs. <laughs> like Nugent Hopkins is taking, he took 24 face-offs today. One exactly half. Usually they wouldn't lean on him that much in the face-off circle. Paul texting in as well. He says, the Oilers are not getting points from the defense at all this year. Who mid to long term is projected to be a point-contributing defenseman? Well, that's an excellent point. Uh, they haven't been getting a lot of points from the D. Certainly Clefbaum, who we did get an assist today but hasn't been getting on the score sheet a lot. Part of that is because the power play is struggling. Sekra is, I mean, Sekra and Clefbaum, you would expect to be your two leading point-getting defensemen. Mm-hmm. One hasn't been having a great year, and the other guy's obviously out. Yeah, those would be the big ones. I, I mean, Larson's more of a stay-at-home guy. Uh, Benning, you would think he could chip in for, I don't know, 25 points on the season if he, if he continues to play second power play minutes. Nurse, e- eventually... Uh, I mean, there's so many parts of his game that have improved. I think the next step for him is to find a little better offensive awareness when he has the puck in the offensive zone because other parts, there's one time tonight they dumped the puck down and he almost beat an icing out, and he's the defenseman off a faceoff in his own zone. But the, the two big guys are Clefbaum and Sakra because of the, the times they play and the amount of power play times they get. But the one thing with Clefbaum, the bomb that he was putting in the net last year is now either hitting sticks, hitting legs, or missing the net. And it doesn't matter how hard you shoot it. If you don't hit the net, you're not going to score goals. So those would be the two main guys that would bring up offense from the back end. So the Rangers beat the Oilers 4-2. Nash and Puglia-Yarvi in the first period. McDavid, a power play goal in the second, gave Edmonton the lead. But Buchnevich and Nash come back with power play goals for the Rangers before the end of the second frame. Grabner adds a late empty netter. So 4-2 Rangers, your final damage. 6-9-1 is now the Oilers' record on the season. We do have time for your phone call, 7 8 0496-0063. If you like winning stuff, we'll give you a chance for finish the play. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Hey, thanks for tuning in this afternoon. It's 2.32 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins breaking down the Oilers' 4-2 loss to the New York Rangers. Another close game, but the Oilers can't get over the hump. Their penalty killing does them in again. Again, the uh, penalty killing percentage now down to 71.1%. They had a couple of games in a row where they killed off every opponent power play. Not today. Rangers get two in the second period to turn a 2-1 deficit into a 3-2 lead. 780-496-0063 is our phone number. Quick look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Just uh, one other game this afternoon. It was played in Sweden. Ottawa coming from behind to beat the Avalanche 4-3. Remember, 5 o'clock at Claire Drake Arena. If you're going to the game between the U of A Golden Bears and Lethbridge Pronghorns, Claire Drake will be in attendance. A new banner commemorating his career going up at the rink, which will include that he's a Hockey Hall of Famer. He's going in on Monday. That's pretty amazing for for Claire Drake, and congratulations to him and his family. Uh, Long overdue, and 
the Hockey Hall of Fame is a better place now that he's there. It, it's kind of funny. We're talking a lot about Claire Drake this weekend, who revolutionized penalty killing. I mean, you heard my interview with Billy Moores before the show where Bill said he didn't just sit back on the penalty kill. He thought, where can we pressure? Can we delay a team coming out of their own end or delay them in the neutral zone? I don't know if Claire could <laughs> drop by an Oilers practice and draw something draw up, something up yeah. on the PK because that, that's something that needs some work for sure. All right, uh, Patrick, let's have the clue here for finish the play before we bring Bill on. Zuccarello couldn't keep it down low. Maroon turns and fires ahead to McDavid, pokes it ahead for dry settle. All right, Bill, that was the play in the second period. McDavid poked it ahead to Dreisaitl. Did Dreisaitl get a breakaway, or was he called offside? Um, he got called offside. That is absolutely correct. You get an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Bill, stay on the line. Patrick will take down your information. If you want to chime in, 780-496-0063. Yessi Puglia-Yarvi scored today for the Oilers. McDavid had the other goal on a power play, so the Oilers did break a, a bit of a slump on their power play. And the special teams continue to be underwhelming. I mean, we've been talking about the penalty kill, the power play, 13.3% coming into this one, so it'll creep up close to 14 as a result of, of today, but there have been some points that have slipped away because of the, the special teams, and I think we have to lump the power play uh, into that, Rob. I mean, it's it's 27th in the league, so, I mean, the PK's last, so you got both units are in the bottom five in the league. And it's a specialty team league. The, the way that uh, teams play five-on-five, five, it's very close to the vest. They don't give up a whole lot of opportunities, so you got to make your hay when, when you have the power play, and the Oilers have all of the the ingredients, obviously, of having a strong power play because it's the same group, the exact same group that they had last year that was one of the best power plays in the National Hockey League. So if that's the case, it's execution. Um, maybe getting a little, oh, I don't know if they were lazy at times, going to the fail-safe plays instead of being creative, moving around, getting in the opening. And, and the biggest one, and we saw it right at the end of the game, and it wasn't a power play, but it's something that plagues a power play too. The Oilers are six on five. They pull their goalie. Puck goes back to Clefbaum. He's got a heavy shot. Just as the puck goes to Clefbaum, Lucic and Maroon are in front of the goaltender. As soon as Clefbaum winds up, they both move, and it was a great camera angle from behind Clefbaum. When Clefbaum is shooting the puck, you see Lundqvist staring right at him. So there's nobody in front of him. So the two net front presence players moved away and allowed the shot to be seen. And we see that a lot during the power play. It's no good having a big net front guy if he's not going to stand in front of the goalie. These goaltenders are too good. They're big, they're, they're quick, and if they can see the puck from a slap shot from the point, they are going to make the save. So I think one of the other things on the power play the Oilers have to be better at is taking the goaltender's eyes away, not allowing him easy access to the shot coming in. Because, frankly, if he can't see it, he can't stop it. But the Oilers aren't doing a good enough job of that this year. Mark texting 630-630 says, McClellan needs to realize Letestu is not working on the power play or on the PK. Well, I mean, it was funny. You and I talked before the game what they needed to do on their PK. And I, I know they have, the other coaching staff have access that we don't. And I will actually probably do. We'd have to do a lot of work, though. Find out who is having success penalty killing and who is not. Tonight on the penalty killing, Letestu, I believe, was on for both goals against. And the one he cheated, he was looking for a play outside the blue line. He didn't get it. The other one was a cross box pass. I believe he was out there for that one, too. Um... 
Yeah, I mean, Mark Letestu had an incredible season last year. And the biggest reason, he was so good in penalty killing. He was so important to their power play, and he was winning faceoffs. Three reasons that he was uh, was successful. This year, they've got a bad power play, bad penalty kill. And I'm not saying that he is the reason for both of those things. There's a lot of players that have underachieved in, in both those positions. But, yeah, I, I think Mark, like the rest of the his teammates, have to be much better in specialty teams. And, and when you're a player that you're – entire ice time is more or less re- relied upon upon how much you do on the the penalty killer or the power play which Mark Letestu gets his ice time then you've got to be better and I'm sure he knows it as well uh, I mean he is tied for the team lead in power play goals with with Nugent Hopkins I, I we were talking about this earlier on the power play you, you could shuffle up the units I don't know who else they would necessarily put there because the one thing, the reason Latesti was on that unit is because he'll, he'll shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. And when they put him on last year, they were trying to, as Todd says, pass the puck into the net. Well, the, the, and the, the thing for the Oilers, their best three play, playmakers, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid are all left-handed. Mm-hmm. Therefore, most of the times they're trying to pass for a one-timer, they need a right-handed guy to do it. Uh, Pugliarvi is up here now, and maybe he does get a look. But before he was here, it was Latestu, and it was Strom. And frankly, if Latesta is not having the year he had last year, he's still been outperforming Ryan Strom in, in the offensive category on the power play. So uh, they don't have a lot of players right now. And it's, and it's not just on Latesta. There's a lot of reasons. And we just pointed out one with the net front, net front presence. 4-2, the Rangers beat the Oilers. 780-496-0063. We have Ron standing by. Hi, Ron. Hey, how are you? Good. So I think your uh, analysis of the... Uh, Equality in the league is spot on. Like, that is really that anybody can win any given night. Who would have expected the Las Vegas uh, Knights to start the season the way they have? So why is it that we have such equality in the league? Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the salary cap. I think that it used to be there would be teams that would spend, you know, a ton of money, and there would be teams that would have a very low payroll and you had discrepancy because you could buy teams you could make yourself better because if you're not this isn't working we're going to go get some other players yeah, it doesn't matter with money we've got enough but not only do they have a salary cap of how much you can spend they also have a, a bottom where you must spend this much and i think that's important too so you can't just ice a, a, an american hockey league team and go for draft picks by just having a 20 million dollar payroll so I think the biggest reason right now is is the, the the salary cap, and also there's so many teams out there that the teams get diluted a bit. I've yet to see, and Reed and I were talking, I've yet to see a, a powerhouse, a team that you every time you play, oh, it's going to be t-. like there's no way we can beat that team. There's teams that are having good starts, and the two teams that are having the best starts in the East and the West, the Lightning and the Kings, are two teams that didn't even make the playoffs last year. So that shows you that there's a pretty good parity amongst the National Hockey League. Yeah, I think you're right on. And it makes for a pretty exciting night of hockey every time. And uh, the other thing is the goaltending across the league is is pretty amazing. These goaltenders across the league are really making the shooters uh, pay attention. Well, you're right, and what's funny about that is the league every year is trying to find ways to get more goals. Yep. They're always doing things against the goaltenders, making their equipment smaller, uh, things along that line. But it, it, what it shows you is how talented goaltenders are in the National Hockey League now. The Las Vegas Thunder 
are on their number four goalie Goal right now. They're they're winning games with their number four goalie. How many people in Edmonton can even say who the Oilers' number four goaltender is? I can tell you, I can. I know that. What's it? Is it Ellis? Is our third goalie? Ellis is the on the farm. Yeah, he's a far, who, I don't know who the backup in the farm is. Uh, who is the backup on the farm? And and we're supposed to know you and I. So we can't even tell you who the number one. I'm drawing a blank. I yeah. know who it is because so I interviewed him. The Las Vegas Golden Knights right now are, are are having success with their number four goaltender. And here, Reed and I, two guys <laughs> that work for the the team here, we don't know who the number four goalie is for the Oilers. So yes, the the the, the goaltending is is very good across the National Hockey League. You've got to be good oh, if yeah, you want to score goals. Ed, Edward Pasquale. Yeah, you could have given me a thousand guesses, and I don't think I would have guessed Edward Pasquale. The only Pasquale I know played basketball for Team Canada in the 1980s. He played Eli. for uh, he played for Todd Nelson last year, Grand Rapids Griffins. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he was the backup on the team that won the AHL title. Well, and I mean, it it is so close, and and you know, you you do the preseason predictions, and I mean, it's it's so tight. I, I mean, I, we were talking earlier. If you finish ten points ahead of a team at the end of the year. You were one win a month better than them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might look like, oh, geez, they were way better. Well, that's one win a month or two overtime losses uh, a month. So, yeah, and I mean, that's that's why you have to avoid the long losing mm-hmm. streaks. And the Oilers are 6-9-1, and one, and they're still feeling the effects of getting swept on a three-game homestand early in the season. I mean, they win a game or two there. You're probably looking at the season totally different. They're going to be fighting their way out of that potentially for a long, long time. So you win a couple road games, great. Maybe they're going to get a point or two tomorrow against Washington. You're still climbing over everybody. they got to climb over everybody in the West except Arizona. And when you don't bank points, when you do run into that rough patch where you run into injuries or illness and you have a you know five games and eight nights and you're beat up, you don't have the luxury of being able to slide through that because you're always chasing. You don't want to be chasing, and unfortunately for the Oilers, the start to the season they were. But you look across the ice tonight, the New York Rangers had an equally bad start to the season, yet they've turned it around and they've got a nice run going and they're going back in the right direction. All right, Oilers lose 4-2. We'll get to Richie on the phone line in a second here, but first back to New York. He scored today, first goal of the season, Jesse Pugliarvi. Good, I feel good to come here and uh, I try to work hard and uh, help the team, but Win or win, that's that's not good. But um, how nice is it to get that goal and get it in your first game back here? Uh, that's that's good. Uh, always score is good, good thing. But I try try to help team. Uh, how comfortable did you feel with the puck when you had it on your stick? Today, uh, today pretty good. Uh, good plays and I have good good alignments. Fun. Thanks. All right, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi. Well, that line looked good. Nugent Hopkins, Lucic, and Puglia-Yarvi, the Oilers' most dangerous line this afternoon, but they lose 4-2 to the Rangers. 780-496-0063. Here's Richie. Hi, Richie. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Awesome. Well, with modern technology, I'm able to call you from Hawaii. Oh, nice. I've been watching, I've been watching the Oilers play this last week, and I'm a diehard fan, and uh, roller hockey is alive and well here. Well, they take full advantage of the sunshine. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, comment on a couple things. Uh, tell me what happens, uh, and excuse my ignorance, when uh, Maroon makes a, a play like he did with the elbow, and, and what does McClellan say to him on the bench after that, or does he say anything? On that one, I don't think he needs to. 
I think that Maroon knew it was dumb. I think what happens is the coach puts that into the back of his, his mind. Is it all right? I'm going to remember that. When it happens again, then you talk to the player and say, okay, that's enough. And if it becomes a habit, well, then ice time is taken away. We've seen in the past uh, with, with Pouliot last year, Benoit, who was a veteran player, sat down yeah. a couple of times because he, he got foolish penalties and he didn't curb it. Usually a coach, the, the way I like to see coaches do it, if you take a dumb penalty, you have two options. You can punish the player or you can have the player try to go out there and make amends. And if you saw on that Maroon gets scored against, he was out there in the very next shift. And it's all right, you made a mistake. That was dumb. Go make up for it. And I think that's what you have to do. If it becomes a habit, well, then you got to take different type of discipline, plenary, where you start taking away ice time until they get the, the point that that is unacceptable. Yeah, fair enough. And would you say, for example, in Clef's uh, error, allowing goal number three to go in by Nash, would it be kind of the same approach, in your opinion? Well, I think that's a, a more of a teaching point because he did it twice, the exact same play. It was a two-on-one, and he backed off, and he allowed the pass. Is that what you're talking about? Are you about? talking about the, uh, Nash's first goal or the power play goal? Actually, I'm talking about uh, Nash's goal. Like the on the two-on-one? On the two-on-one. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so he, that's, he had two goals. Yeah, so that's to me that's a teaching point because he did it twice. So obviously he's reading it wrong or reading what he should be doing wrong. Because he's allowing the player to come down, and more or less a 2-0, because the player was coming in on Talbot actually could have deked him, or did what he did, make the pass across, which he's given, and it's a wide-open net. It should have been two goals scored on the two-on-ones, as the, the Ranger thing of Zuccarella missed the wide-open net that, that Clefbon yeah. gave up. So to me, that is where you show video, and you say, okay, here's what we need you to do, because what you did was wrong, and it gave up two great scoring chances. Richie, okay. thanks for listening in Hawaii. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, love the Oilers. So, and and the last thing is, if you have time, is the Golden Knights. What is the story like? How come they're doing as well as they're doing? Well, I th- first of all, they work very hard. I think Gerard, Gerard Gallant is a is a good coach, despite the fact the Florida Panthers refuse to believe that. I do think they've had some goaltending performances that that have been over the goalies' heads a little bit with some depth guys or or relatively unknown guys but you you keep reading how hard they work and so far it's paying off timely goal scoring neil i mean david perron plays for them now so yeah they're yeah. pretty they're a pretty incredible story i mean they're not doing as well last couple of weeks as they did in october but you know mm-hmm. st- still still doing okay and they did benefit as an expansion team they got some pretty good players that were were left. I mean, I, I, nobody gets a James Neal as an expansion league player, and they did. They got that. Was how do you say? Is Marcino the kid from Florida? A thirty goal scorer that the Florida Panthers yeah. give up. So they have some talent, yeah. but yeah, I, they are overachieving. They are overachieving. Twenty one points. Yeah, and, and it, it's good. It, it, it's great. It's it's a testament that hard work can win you hockey games. So we'll get a good look at them. Yeah. I think we play them Tuesday, Tuesday night. So we'll get a good opportunity to see what's making yeah, them that's tick. That's going to be a great game. Okay, guys, aloha. Aloha, Richie. Thank you very much. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 4-2. You'll hear from the Nuge Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Rick Nash scores twice. Rangers beat the Oilers 4-2. Before we hear from Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, we have Stewart on the open line. Stewart, you're on with Robin Reed. 
Hi, guys. I was just wondering with how good uh, Hopkins is playing this year or better than last year, if you thought that they should have maybe bridged Dreisaitl's contract or maybe they're going to regret not bridging Dreisaitl and maybe having a better look at uh, Nugent Hopkins and giving him all that money instead of giving it to uh, Dreisaitl. Well, Nugent Hopkins has already signed for another four seasons, so that that will, he was going to get the money he's 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 going to get. Do I think they're going to regret signing Dreisaitl? Uh I think unlikely. I think he's a pretty good player who can produce a lot of points, and he's a good compliment to McDavid. Oh, okay. Well, get over here. Thank you. Bye. All right, let's go back to New York. Here is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Right in the hot streak, but just how do you see this one shake down tonight? Um. I thought it was a pretty, pretty good game, pretty even game. I mean, obviously, I think uh, the difference just was the two power plays in the second period. Um, overall, I thought we, we still stuck with it and we had our chances, but um, in the end, yeah, I mean, it came down to that uh, just the two power play goals. Nash's goal is a, is a skill when he bats it out of the air like that, but you bring up those penalties in your eyes, you know, could they have been maybe preventable? Um, yeah, well, I mean, just... If we don't take the penalties, obviously they're not going to get that chance. So um, I'm not going to dissect the penalties themselves, but we still need to. Uh, there's going to be penalties every night, so we need to be sharp on the PK. And uh, uh, so far this road trip, we've been pretty good. Um, but tonight, tough to give up to uh, like that on the PK. How frustrating is it when you basically shoot yourself in the foot like that as a team? Um, well, I mean, it's not uh, not fun, not easy. Um, we're still stuck with it. I mean, we don't get down on each other, or down um, on ourselves in here when that happens. Because I mean, it's, it does happen throughout different games, and uh, you got to find a way to stick with it. And uh, we did a pretty good job. We just couldn't find that one at the end. All right, that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins who gets an assist today on the Yessi Puglia-Yarvi goal, but the Oilers fall 4-2 to the Rangers. Connor McDavid had a power play goal for the Oilers' other marker. All right, so Rob, I mean, 6-9-1 and one on the season, not great, but a chance to finish above 500 on the road trip if you can find a point or a win against the Capitals tomorrow. Well, yeah, this could have been an ugly road trip. The Oilers coming out against the East, not, they haven't done well against them. Uh, they did not get the start that they wanted with their last home game before the road trip. And you think, ooh, they could put themselves so far behind the eight ball. But here they are, 2-1, and one, going in with an opportunity in Washington if they have a good night to, to come out with a 3-1 and one record, which is an excellent record. So there's there's been positive signs. I think the fact that the Nugent Hopkins line, as well as it played tonight, that gives them two lines that they can feel confident on scoring. And I thought the third and fourth lines tonight for the Oilers played well. I mean, the New York Rangers have very good depth. They have scoring depth. And the Oilers third and fourth did a very fairly good job. So I would expect uh, another close, tight game tomorrow night and just comes down to execution. The Oilers specialty teams have to be better. If they got good specialty teams, they've got a good chance of winning. All right. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. You can also go to our website for a preview and the latest on the Edmonton Eskimos. Looks like Matt Nichols will start at quarterback tomorrow for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's been uh, banged up, obviously, but he's going to try to give it a go. This game is going to be on Kissing Country 103.9. Morley Scott and Dave Campbell are in Winnipeg. The countdown to kickoff will be at 1.30. The game will start at 2.30. 6.30, Chad will have the Oilers and the Capitals. The face-off show will be at 3.30, and the game will be at 5. So going to be an exciting day tomorrow 
maybe a dreaded doubleheader for the Oilers. The uh, last four ended with an Eskimos victory and an Oilers loss. So we'll see if they can both get W's tomorrow. Obviously, the Eskimos trying to extend their season and advance to the West Final. And don't forget, uh, we'll keep you updated on the East game as well or let you know what happened. That's 11 o'clock, Saskatchewan at Ottawa. The Rough Riders crossing over to play the Red Blacks. want to thank Patrick Bauer. He's been our studio producer this afternoon. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 6.30, Chet, is Sid Smith. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. The final New York Rangers 4, Edmonton Oilers 2. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Have a great night. Talk to you at 3.30 tomorrow.